I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good evening and welcome to the Gallant Few um, English Premier League Roundup podcast. Um, I am uh, your host, Jamie Royals, um, and I've got two people with me this evening just to kind of go through some of the latest news that's going on in the English Premier League and have a look at some of the games from last week and look forward to the next round of fixtures. Um, as ever, we have uh, Johnny. Uh, Johnny, how's things? Um, good, mate. Thank you. Uh, pleasure to be back on as always. Hello, gentlemen. Good man, thank you very much. And Colin, how's uh, life treating you, Colin? I'm very well, Jamie. Good to be on with yourself and Johnny. Um, everything has grown well in the old McDuff Towers until it comes to <laughs> the the Premier and the Fantasy uh, Football League, where I am fucking near, as near rock bottom as you can get, by the way. Um, so, And that's with a league of about 900 people? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we will get you there. <laughs> I am one thousand and twenty first in our gallant for your league. Fuck. We're only two games in. Plenty of time to pull it back. It's not like you've used your triple captain yet, is it? <laughs> Nobody I didn't know I'd done that. I, I I wanted a PowerPoint presentation of the rules and no one provided me. I was just pressing buttons and hoping for the best. Most people do these days. Um, lads, we've got obviously a bit of news in terms of uh, transfers. You know, we've got, still got eight days, sorry, nine days until the transfer shuts. Um, it seems a bit of an ever revolving door. Um, we'll cover some of the games, some of the highlights of the games from last week as well. Um, but one of the more, one of the one of the deals that went through at the beginning of the week um, was a deal that looked as though it was all but dead, but is now picked back up, and that's Alexander Mitrovic, um, who's moved on to Saudi Arabia for the, the tidy sum of nearly forty-four million pounds. Um, Colin, I suppose the biggest question we've done the Mitrovic conversation to death in terms of how important he is. Um, I suppose what I really want to understand, well, what I want to cover is just how much of a blow that is to Fulham, bearing in mind we have about eight, nine days left of the transfer window and what that means for them, bearing in mind they've lost the first two games of the season already. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We've, we have covered it to death, um, copy and paste anything that oh. any of us said over the last six months about Mitrovic and how important it is to Fulham. I think um, I've been one for banging the drum over the summer that they need to get a replacement in throughout the summer because it's so likely that it was going to go. Let's not wait until they've got 40 odd million pound burning in their pocket and with a week to spend it because teams will just hike up the prices. Um, mm. All across Europe, you've seen, seen a lot of a lot of the business being done and teams starting to be settled, squads starting to be submitted. I don't really know where. I don't really know where 
where they go um, in terms of bringing in a replacement. And for the, so, you know, on another note, I've said time and time again that Fulham can't just go and get a like-for-like like replacement and somebody that they're just going to rely on because they fell into that problem last year when he got suspended, when he was out injured. They oh. don't have a backup. Like, I, I did say that I wanted to see Fulham bring somebody in to challenge Mitrovic or maybe even play second fiddle with a view to being able to challenge. Um, I, now I still find they need two strikers and they've got a, a week to go. So they brought in Raul Jimenez. Do you, do you think they still need more than him? How many goals does he really get you? No, oh, yeah. That's, you know, I think he's he, he'll maybe add value um, to, to to certain depth. games and maybe, yeah, a bit of depth. But does he really get you fifteen goals? I, I, I don't think he will. Um, he might might prove me wrong, but so say he's maybe a question mark over him. They need an out and out, an out and out number nine, somebody who can get you fifteen to twenty goals. And I don't know. Sounds um, easy, I, don't it? Aye, <laughs> sounds easy. I, they'll need to go to the continent, and there's been a lot of money spent. I think they will be robbed. Um, I think they will be whatever, whatever they would have paid. Add ten, fifteen million on top of it. Um, Mitrovic has made his debut this evening. And he scored the first goal in the game as well. So um, he looks as though he's settled in there. Johnny, um, sticking with the Fulham, um, I know obviously we talked about the Mitrovic, but um, I suppose the question would be more about, it wasn't so long ago, Marco Silva turned down an offer from the Saudi League. And I think we said we were surprised that, that he did it because you could theoretically lose six games in the Premier League and be straight out the door. I kind of feel bad if that's actually how, how it happens. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's one that's one side of the coin. The other side is you can go there and risk really falling into obscurity when you've already mm-hmm. made, you know, he's built up a fair bit of momentum uh, and built his name up uh, really well. I mean, he's not exactly had a lot of tools to work with for him, and he done really well last season. Now I know they're losing Mitrovic, or they've lost Mitrovic. Sorry. Um, it's not like they didn't know this was going to happen. It's a bit like mm-hmm. the Kane saga. The chances of it happening were very high. He had already spat the dummy. He had already publicly said, I don't want to be here. And I want to follow the money. Um, so they knew. So they should have had targets in place. I read today that they're actually looking at Zapata from, from uh, Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good player. Big, strong forward as well, which is probably like for like. That would be a good addition. I don't know. Again, he's quite old, isn't he? I think is he is he thirty two, thirty three. I think they're going to have to. But I mean, they they are running as you say. It's on a timely, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think Jimenez is the replacement. But it was something we touched on before. Um, I think most of us would probably like to see him do well and get back to where he was before before the injury. Um, but can he do that? I don't know. I think um, I think it's a very very tight timeline. They need to get something. They need to do it quickly. I would have hoped they had targets in place. But if they don't, it could be a very, very long season for them. Because you can have all those really decent midfielders, but when there's nothing for them to hit, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically peeing into the wind. And staying down the bottom, we mentioned obviously they'd lost the first two games, and I think, you know, it's hard to call people by bottom of the table after the first two games, but um, Colin, I'll come to you in the next team, Everton. Um, I know you're a big fan of Deitch, and, you know, I'll put my allegiances aside. Um, they kind of got spanked at the weekend, and I think pretty much everybody in the dog would have actually bet that, you know, actually would have put money on the fact that Aston Villa were going to beat them. I think what was more damning was probably Daish's comments after that. Um, I would say Everton didn't play well from across the whole team, but when your manager's saying two games into the season he could have subbed the whole 11 if he could have, that's that's not what you want to be hearing, is it? It's unusual. I fucking love it. Um, how refreshing is it to hear managers come out with a wee bit of honesty and see they just the old cliches or we learn from it, we move on. Um, you know, I, I do like Deitch for, for that for that reason. Um, he, he, he has uh, been quite honest in the past. I can't really blame him. Um, he must be frustrated. It's Aston Villa, we, we've all picked him to do really well this year. It is, teams are going to get shredded off by this year, but it's a manner mm-hmm. of how Everton apply themselves, particularly if I, if I look at the third and fourth goal. Um, that that third goal, 
the the throw in well both goals came through throw ins and it's just it careless goal, it? Yeah. switching off the third one the the throw in just into space and there's two Everton midfielders covering in the box and they both hesitated to go on it and I actually felt sorry for the boy Keen who last minute sees these midfielders on a go to go for it so that goes to try and clear it and just miss kicks it and then it's just an absolute calamity carelessness it looked on the un, uninterested and then just stupidity for the fourth goal as well. No wonder Deitch was raging. Mm-hmm. I, I think Everton will struggle um, this year, but I, I think they'll get a. I think the team will react to Deitch's comments. I think he's a really good man manager. Um, he's he always has been throughout his career. Um, so I think you might see a bit of a bounce if Wills at home the next game. I think they might. Might even get maybe a one 0 sneaker, one 0 or two one win. Um, I don't see the longevity uh, with Deitch at Everton, but I called it last year when they appointed him. I thought it was very short sighted that he was just signing him to just signing him to keep them up. Um, I I do worry for them this year. John, um, with regard to Everton, is Calvert Lewin the most unlucky player in the Premier League, or you know he? he pretty much out injured for about three months for one, for one reason, makes his first day come back and gets a fractured jaw, um, you know, or fractured cheekbone, should I say, which means he's going to be out again. Um, it, it just seems as though it goes around and swings around the roundabouts for him, doesn't it? It just seems to harm to certain players, mate. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, you have some players who just can't get that break. Um, I know we'll, they'll get... Um, you know, people will take, take the piss a wee bit with their plastic or whatever. Um, some players are frailer than others, you know, but he he just seems to be a calamity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the one at the weekend, I mean, let's be honest, it was a dull one. Um, mm-hmm. You've seen the state of his dish when it actually flared up towards the back end of the game. It was it was a painful one. I was reading, I watched the press the other day for, uh, for Dish, and he was saying that they've not actually been able to scan it properly because of the inflammation. They can't do it until tomorrow. So they still don't know for definite what oh, the damage is. Yeah, so he said that. He says it could be weeks, it could be months. He doesn't know. But I don't have a lot of sympathy, mate. Because, not not for the lad, I mean for Evan. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like this is news. This yeah. lad has been like this for the, we're talking seasons. And they rely everything on him. They've never had a backup, or at least a backup that's worth talking about. They buy absolutely want it 15 million. Garbage. They just don't they, you know what they buy, mate? They buy players fit for a relegation fight. That's pretty much how I see the, the, the transfer strategy. Um and it's no better this season. He, he was talking about how the same thing, the hot targets and yada yada yada, but never really gave much away. But I just I just think they're in a, they're, in a, they're in a bad way. It's only got worse every year. I say that before we started the season that I think they're done this year. And I don't see, there's nothing that jumps out at me to say that it might go any other way. I think they're, I think they're in trouble. The, 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 one that, the one that you kind of easily forget about is they've, they've, they've been trying to buy this Portuguese striker now for a few weeks. Um, I forget his name, but he's pretty much um, probably scored about two goals in about two years. So I'm not expecting too much from him. But when you think of how long Calvert-Lewin's been out, Ellis Sims is no longer at the club. You know, they, I think they either sold him or they loaned him out to the championship. We were talking at one point towards the end of the season that he just needed a run of games. He looked quite sharpish when he came on. That obviously yeah. looks as though the relationship broken down somehow, doesn't it? Because you wouldn't just get rid of him, surely. He's a, I mean, we've seen him a lot up in Scotland, obviously. He's a handful. Um, and he's quite similar to Calvert-Lewin in terms of stature and how he plays. Big, strong, fast. Um, but yeah, he never got a chance. I don't know. Maybe the manager just doesn't fancy him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it looks like the way it is now, it's going to be what? Probably Dan Juma throwing up front. Because, I, I mean, I don't know if they go with Mopey. I don't know if they, they have any faith in them or not. Yeah, definitely want to. And, and I kind of, I mean, I marked it as part of the agenda. But Colin, you touched on it earlier. They, they play Wolves this weekend. Is that too early to be calling a six pointer? It kind of feels like one though, doesn't it? After the start, they both it's had. It's never too early to get the cliches <laughs> out, Jamie. No, they, they really do. I think it's more a six-pointer for for Sean Dyche than it is for Everton. Um, I really don't 
see him seeing out the season. Um, I think Everton are a big enough club to appeal a decent manager in and maybe be safe for the return of the gear. But Sean Dyche does have to get a tune out of these players. And Johnny made a really good point. Their transfer strategy has been to set up for a relegation dogfight. Mm-hmm. When you do that, when that's your strategy, all you're going to end up, all you're ever going to achieve is a dogfight. You need to aim higher. You need to have a bit more... You need to have a bit more planning. Um, as Portuguese boy, there's not been any other targets really named than, than him. Um, so what's the plan B? What's the plan C? Ellis Sims would have been a good um, would have been a good quality having about the squad. But I think there's I don't know. We see more and more the board and the director of football are um, having a say in transfer targets. I think Everton are maybe a wee bit above their station and they're maybe going for the sexy high-profile name when they actually should be doing their business a wee bit more similarly. Maybe a Brighton or a Brentford. Look for the untapped talent, bringing them in, developing them, selling mm-hmm. a high until they get back in a in a decent place. But, you know, we, we've said for the last couple of years um, they're a basket case of club. Um, Johnny, I'll bring us on to another game that um, kind of caught our eyes on Saturday night um, was uh, Tottenham v uh, Man United. Um, Angebol took its first scalp um, and not a bad scalp to be taken as well. Um, the game finished 2-0 to Tottenham. Um, what was your thoughts on the game and how it panned out? And were Tottenham good for a 2-0 win or was it just luck? No, I think they were good for it, mate. <laughs> I think the the first half hour, Man United were, were really good. Uh, created some really good chances. I thought Fernandez for all his whining, he was he was excellent for the first half hour and forty minutes. Pretty much commanded the game. Um, never took their chances, and then back end of the first half and especially second half, Spurs started to tick. Uh, Man United, uh, they, to me, they just looked. Almost like they were two yards off the pace once Spurs got going. And they never really got back into the game, with the exception of Fernandez with his header, with his 50 pence head. That was one of the worst chances I oh, think no, I've ever no, seen. went out for a shy. Well, yeah, he was right in front of the goal, and it still it just seemed to ping at a 90-degree angle. But, yeah, they didn't have much chances after that. There was a couple of penalty shouts as well. Both of them probably could have had a penalty, to be fair. You had the handball for a good Spurs. Both from Romero, uh, I think, wasn't it? Aye, uh, and there was also there was another one with Martinez. Um, I should should Romero done on the in the in the in the, uh, the box. Yeah, and it looked I thought it looked a stick on to be fair, but it probably balanced itself in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Man United have really got going at all. I said it last week. I know we're very very early. It's too early to judge uh, on based on two games, but for what I've seen, they they've just looked incredibly underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I, I read today, the lad Hoyland all feature at the weekend. Maybe that's what they need. Um, Colin, just obviously on the Tottenham back side of it, so Johnny kind of made some points that you know Man United did control the game up until a point when Tottenham, excuse me, started putting the fourth foot on the ball. From what I seen, um, Yves Basuma was that person. Um, he started to control things, um, and the, you know we were threading passes through and getting in the end of um, tackles, which we've not seen him probably do for about a year now. Um, what was your thoughts on on Tottenham's play style and how they kind of adapted with that game? I think um, it's probably what we were expecting to see at some point for Tottenham. Um, I'm surprised it came so early in the season, and it came at. Uh, against Man U, it's um, it's just a time as any to turn it on. Um, but when you uh, that's that's how Ange's sets up to play, and you know take my Rangers hat off, and always a bit of staunch points. He has a good coach, and he he does set up a really aggressive attacking style of play, and we started to see parts of that. We we taught him. It's not just about the the physicality, um, how quick the the players press and move. Like it's how quickly they move the ball as well. And I thought in the second half, that's that's what man you couldn't really cope with. Like I was just, I was this morning. I was looking at the stats. Tottenham, like there wasn't much a difference in terms of possession. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 54, 46 percent. However, Tottenham moved the ball a hundred times more than Man U did. That's quite a big jump for a small percentage mm-hmm. gap. It's just it just shows you. 
as on that's that's what they play. They move the ball with purpose. Um, they move it quickly. They get it up the pitch. They look to attack and they look to they look to hit the transition very well. Um, I, f- I find the big challenge will be can they do that consistently? Um, can Ange do that consistently in a bigger scale and a tougher league? That will be the challenge. But no, I think um, if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be pleased with what I've seen. There seem to be rumours coming around that um, they were apparently having a sniff at Lukaku at Chelsea, but that's been rubbished. But it would indicate that they're still looking for a striker. Um, do you think they'll, they think they'll still go out and get one, Colin? I think they will, aye. I think they will. Um, I I don't know if the likes of Lukaku is uh, the right type of player, that big, mm-hmm. a big target man type. I think it will, you'll maybe see them play so something more of a false nine or even maybe two number tens or whatever. I think um, it will be somebody who can play, you know, somebody who can link in the midfield a wee bit better than maybe yeah. even uh, link in with the number tens. I, I don't see them saying that target, man. And Johnny, I was going to come on to um, Man United's performance so far this season, and I said earlier you can't really take too much from two games, but there's been a few, there's been a few um, narratives that have been spun within the media these days. And I think if anybody watched the Monday Night Football, um, Carragher and Neville um, from Sky Sports actually portrayed it pretty well. And what they were talking about was this three-man midfield that seems to be either everything's going through them or they're just not getting it. And, and one of the big concerns was that. Bruno's not as effective, whether he's tracking back, whether he's going forward. Um, they've obviously got Mason Mountain there now, who's a very attacking midfielder in his own right. But as a result, Casemiro now looks a bit exposed. The narrative is, is that in order to play Bruno, you need two defensive midfielders. So, for example, last season you were having McTominay and and Casemiro, Casemiro alongside each other, which means Bruno had the free reign. What's, what's your thoughts on that? And the reason why I'm calling that out is not to pick on the body man, but I mean, they spent a lot of money, 70 million on Mason Mount. You know, he's paying him best part of nearly 300 grand a week in wages. Is he now just going to be another Sancho or, you know, are they going to get this working? I think any player needs time, mate. Um, I know they're moving, they're moving to Premier League to Premier League, but it still needs time. It's a totally different system. Um, I do appreciate, I do take on board the point where you have Mount in there who likes to get forward and Bruno likes to get forward. Casimiro's he did look exposed at the weekend. Yeah. Definitely did. Um both to be fair, the first couple of games there's been quite a few of them that have been lackluster. So I think he was off the boil as well, which probably didn't help. Uh, Mount hasn't really got going yet at all. Um I think they're going to have to give him time, but unfortunately you don't really get time. Uh, in the Premier League, we've seen it happen at countless clubs. You know, there's no patience whatsoever. So I don't know how long they'll persist with that. Um, but they need they need to turn up this weekend um, and look that wee bit brighter. Because I don't know what it is. I said it to you last week as well that they just looked, I don't know, almost disinterested. Mm-hmm. I know that's not the case, but that's how it kind of looks. Um, I don't know what, what's missing and why they're not really gelling. But as I say, the first 40 30 looked really good, but it just completely went off the boil. But then you have to give credit to Ange and Tottenham for that because they broke that game up. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long they'll persist with that midfield. Um, it might gel, but sometimes trying to get it to gel when you're playing domestic games and you're playing for league points, it can be a huge gamble. Colin, we got um, staying on the same with Man United. There's a there's a bit of a conundrum at the back back for them now. Is that Hannah Maguire has decided he's not moving to West Ham, so that deal's now off, and as a result, means that Man United can't go out and buy a new defender. Um, so to some extent, he's going to be within the squad. But I don't know if you've noticed, but the boiler Sandro Martinez, you know, he's got this label as a bit of a hacker job, and he's you know pretty world class. I'm, I'm going to pick on him a little bit. In the last two games, he's been pretty bang average. And, you know, the first game against Wolves, he was subbed at half-time. He got an early yellow card and was treading the potential second yellow card. So they subbed him off at half-time. Tottenham, he scores a second goal. He scores a second goal for them with that, that half-arsed clearance that I have no idea if he did it 10 more times, how he still did it. This is the last thing that they did, isn't it? Like, it looked like what I mean is last season it looked as though they fixed that middle of the centre back problem. 
by playing Martinez and Varane. It doesn't seem to be working at the moment on top of the fact that the midfield's not clicking. I think you do need to add in a wee bit of context that the midfield is so exposed and Casemiro's mm-hmm. trying to cover a back four on the start. Um, so I think that's probably highlighting the, the issues a wee bit more. But having said that, the issues are still there, like you said. Um, last season, they, it was a big step up when Martinez and Beran um, started to click together. Um, it was a big step up for what they had there before. <sighs> but what they'll struggle with now is just when Martinez or Beran go off the boil or injured or suspended or whatever. Incidentally, I do rate the two as, as a partnership. I think they will come good. I, I think they complement each other quite well. Um, and I think once they have a settled midfield, you'll maybe see the best of them. But the point still stands that they can have off games um, and Harry Maguire's not the one to be uh, challenging for f- challenging for the centre-half spot and keeping them on their toes. Um so they kind of they could potentially be up shit creek. Um, you never want to be relying on one player for one position. Um, we talk about it time and time again for the striking roles in the Premier League. It's the exact same with the centre half. Um, so I think that will be a bit of an issue for them. They can't go and buy big because Harry Maguire's not going anywhere. I don't know. Does Harry Maguire become a bit more effective as a bit part player? If he does stay, um, I'm maybe giving them too much credit there after how much I've slated them over the last six months. But well, the reality of it is, is they'll need rotation because they're in the Champions League. Yeah, you know totally. I mean? so they, they, they're going to have a full squad. They, they need a full squad to use. So that'll be interesting. But I, I don't think. Sure. <laughs> no, no, but I, I don't think. Um... I wouldn't be too worried about day two. I think it is more the formation and how they're setting up um, middle eight front will maybe help the the defence a bit more. Um, Johnny, um, City doing City things, you know. Um, they they were the they were the next game on the Saturday night. They played Newcastle, um, and I'm gonna say didn't look very troubled at all throughout the game. If anything, we probably anticipated Newcastle probably would have turned up a little bit more. Um, they had periods in the game where they controlled it, but I think they had one shot on target the whole the whole game um, compared to City. Um, and what a goal it was! Uh, the, the young lad Alvarez um, obviously obviously filling in um, as a as a false striker sitting right behind Haaland with Foden feeding him in. What was your thoughts on City? Uh, yeah, um, I expected a, a more of a battle. Uh, I thought Newcastle would at least, you know, have a good go. But mm-hmm. I think that's what City do. They, I think they've become they're just really they're excellent at shutting other other team systems down and then pushing their own, you know, imprinting their game on mm-hmm. the opposition, which isn't an easy thing to do. I mean, Newcastle were flying the week before, um, but they never really got a sniff. It got to the point where the amount of chances that City were creating. Um, Haaland, wasn't it? it wasn't his day. Usually it would have been maybe two or three out of that game. But it just wasn't, you know, it, it just wasn't, he uh, didn't have the, the scoring boots on. Um, Phil Foden was excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he controlled that game for City. Every time they went forward, he was in the middle of it. Um, very, very unlucky not to get you know, a few assists, pretty much because Haaland really wasn't firing. Um, Alvarez, I agree. I thought he was really good. I think he can fill in. I think he can fill in in that system with the missing with the KDB. I think he's a very, very talented player. Um, and the more game time he gets, he's only going to get better. Um, but yeah, uh, it was to be honest, it was quite a straightforward win for them. Uh, they got a bit feisty towards the end. There was some mm-hmm. proper meaty tackles going into Newcastle. I think they were just getting frustrated because they were two steps behind them every time. The one thing that surprised me is that um, City didn't actually make a sub at all throughout the whole game, which is very unlike Pep. You know, he likes his little game of roulette where he starts chopping, changing people in, but he didn't actually make a sub the whole game. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that is weird. Um, Got a lot of games coming, Um, Mm -hmm. especially now with with KDB getting out. You think he probably, Foden was playing so well, he might have maybe hooked him after 60, something like that. But yeah, that's Pep being Pep, isn't it? He likes to do the complete opposite of what would be the norm. 
Colin. I'm just on City. So um, last week they were rumoured to have made a bid for Paqueta um, over in West Ham, but that was quickly quashed due to um, Paqueta having a bet on himself, um, having getting a yellow card in the game, and that's up for review. Um, so uh, today they announced um, Jeremy Doku um, from France, excuse me, Belgian winger uh, for sixty million, who's going to come in and challenge for that Mares spot. Um, but the Dorcas is also, they've also had a bid rejected for Wolves uh, midfield and Matthias Nunes. Um, we, we've, we've said that they need to be kind of filling in these gaps, don't know where they've let people go. Does it surprise you that they don't have a big ticket coming in? Or are, are these signings the ones that you would have expected? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, I think if you look at City's business over over the the lifespan of Pep Guardiola time there, there's been very few marquee signings. Um, also, we've had Haaland and Jack Grealish over the last couple of years, but before that, um, Gundogan, um, Mares, Bernardo Silva, none of them have ever been like key markets, and also big, big money spent in them. Um, but no, no crazy amounts compared to the English market. So, in one hand, I'm I'm not surprised to see these are the type of players that they're bringing in. They they like to bring players in who can add to the collective rather than bring players in to time mould a system around um, as very much Pep has his style of play. I want two or three players who can come in and challenge for that position and everybody's there for collective. That's what City do really well. Having said that, you've just said the Mares position, which shows how you know how how big a loss that we've had for mm-hmm. City, Grindelwan, Mares, um the key key players and I I I said a few weeks ago I think they might struggle with replacing these guys, but as Johnny said, uh, uh, Alvarez, he looks as if he's really fit really well in that system. This was a bit of a marker for City. How do we do without these players that have left and Kevin De Bruyne without them, without him as well? You know, maybe maybe I've doubted Pep a wee bit too early, <laughs> so I'm no surprised. Um, I'm kind of grounded it to myself, but no, it's very City-esque under Pep that we're not going out for the marquee signings. Um, Johnny, I know you love talking about your beloved Chelsea, um, but uh, let's flip it and actually talk about how good West Ham were on the day. Um, I think, I think you know, a lot of the neutrals would have expected a bit of a feisty game, um, but I don't think they envisaged that scoreline, did they? No, no. Uh, I love the big deep side there. <sighs> No. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make sure I've got my diplomatic head on. Uh, I didn't listen. I honestly didn't think there was a hell of a lot in that game. Um, I really didn't. I didn't. It could have went either way. There was chances at both ends mm-hmm. of the pitch. Um, Chelsea created a lot. West Ham created some really nice stuff as well. It could have easily swung. It could have easily been a draw. On the day, West Ham were just far more clinical. Um, uh, they fought really well, battled really well. Um, I didn't think anybody was uh, particularly terrible or had a great game. I just thought it was a fairly a balanced balanced game. I did think Ward Prowse. I thought that was a really good debut. Um, his his delivery 
caused absolute carnage with the he Chelsea. Never hit the first man, did he? Never hit the first man. Toiling, absolutely struggling to keep up with it. And it's a lot of big lads in that Chelsea team, but it's the accuracy. Um, there was a few things, talking points really, a few fouls or you know, the goal, um, the header from as well. Gallagher was fouled just before it, and it leads to a corner, and they score for that corner. Um, and it was a fall. Uh, but, I mean, no excuses. Look, West Ham took the points. Fair play on them. But all balanced anyway, because Aguero got himself sent off for being a silly lad. Uh, Johnny, the did it... Card was shocking. Did, Sorry, I should did, say. Did it, no, it's okay. did, did it surprise you that Enzo Fernandez took the penalty that was missed? Yes. Yes, it did. That that was a shock, I think. But everybody, when he, sat, when he stood up for that, and I thought, I don't think I've seen him hit a penalty yet. When you've got all those players, all those, you know... Um, forward-minded players, shall we say. That was a bit of a yeah. shock. End of the day, I'll, I'll be honest, man, I'm a believer and a professional football player should be able, should be able sorry, to finish a penalty. You know, they should all have the ability to give the keeper no chance. Uh, you're basically just hitting a small, isolated target. Um, I know it doesn't always work like that, but I felt like it was, a, it was a really poor penalty. And I don't know why... They gave it to him. No idea, obviously. It was what they agreed on prior. But like you, I don't think I've seen him on penalties before. Um, strangely enough, I was seeing earlier that Moyes, his last five times that David Moyes has beat Chelsea has been against five different managers. <laughs> That's bizarre. <laughs> All in the space of two years. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Crazy start. Uh, Colin, just Johnny kind of stole the thunder there. How, how good could, could sorry, let me rephrase that. Could James Ward-Prowse be the bargain of the summer based on what we know we can do? I think they paid £30 million with that with add-ons, but it'll go rising up to 35 And the only reason I'm calling that out is you've got failed bids for Paqueta, Matias Nunes. Um, you've got bids for, obviously, Casado, Lavias. Obviously not the same type of player, but Crazy amount of money. Um, James Ward Prowse could be a bit of a snippet, couldn't he? West Ham's player of the year. I tell you, that. <laughs> nothing. He will be. Um, I, I think in terms of what what do we mean by bargain in the summer? I'm going to look at it. Money spent versus value added in the context mm-hmm. of that team. Um, yeah, you're right. Caicedo might go on and. I have more better games than none, but I think Ward Prowse has got to be more important to West Ham than the majority of signings that we've seen in the summer. Um, man in the match on his on his home debut, that's he, he fills in that Declan Rice role, that void. Um, obviously, he's, he's not quite the player that Declan Rice is, but he does fill that void, that gap that they had. Um, I, I think yeah, West Ham have really got to rely on him this season. My worry is, and again, I think I, I keep on harking on about every position, every single point of contact failure. Um, who, like, let's not make sure we over-rely on them if I'm a West Ham mm-hmm. fan. Because who comes in to, to fill that void? There's nobody, like, if he gets suspended or touch wood, he doesn't get injured or they just need to rest him. West Ham, they're back in Europe again this year. Um, it's, a, it's a long fucking hard season. Um, yeah, that's West Ham problem all over the park, wasn't it? We talked about the fact that they're so reliant on one or two strikers. I think I said to Johnny earlier that um, I seen a stat that Michael Antonio scored against Chelsea. That's actually his first goal since October last year. And you think this guy pretty much plays every week for, mm-hmm. for, for West Ham. That's nowhere near good enough, is it? So yeah. you would anticipate. Um, the talk is that they are... In the bid, and they've had a bit accepted apparently for, well, sorry, not accepted. It's expected to be accepted for the lad Ajax Kudus. Um, apparently, it's about 40, 45 million. Um, he's actually playing for Ajax right now and has scored two goals. And the chat is, is that once he's got them qualification for the Europa League, um, they will be accepting that bid. So it'd be very interesting to see if they do get this lad Kudus in. Doesn't really look like a, a West Ham type signing, does it? A nice no, really AC winger who can pop up with goals. <laughs> Very on West Ham. I, I'd be delighted to see it, but I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't come off. 
<laughs> yeah, I think Johnny, you've seen a lot of this glad, haven't you? Um I mean he was brilliant in the World Cup. I actually just checking he scored a hat trick. he scored the fourth goal as well, so they've won him four one. Um so a hat trick on potentially his last game for them. Yeah, that must be an extra ten million, surely. Um, <laughs> it's, it, listen, if they get him, it's it's a coup. Uh, he, he is a good player, yeah, very good player. And obviously they've brought in uh, Alvarez too, and James Ward-Prowse. When we spoke about it quite a lot at the back end of the season and the start of this season, how alarm alarming it was that they had hadn't brought anybody in. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they get those, those are good additions, um, definitely. I still think. I still think they're going to toil a bit. I really do. I was saying to Jamie pre-pod that, you know, you can sign these, like, case in point be Chelsea, sign some of the most sought-after talent in Europe. Uh, spent a ridiculous amount of money, but your, uh, your, your Mudrick, your, your Fernandez. I mean, I could go on and on, and hardly any of them are settled mm-hmm. or gelled. So, you know, those signings don't automatically indicate success. Or Jalen. Now, James Ward probably seems to have hit the ground running, but he has experience in that league. The other lads don't. Um, and I would agree, it's not very Moise, Moise-ish. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he sets them up. But on paper, yeah, good good additions. Um, Colin, so bring us on to the next talking point now. Um, Liverpool ran out 3-1 winners against Bournemouth, um, and I would love to sit here and talk about Liverpool all day long. Um, however, the, the biggest talking point was probably the red card um, that Alexis McAllister received, um, which was later rescinded, uh, or should I say overturned on, on a successful appeal. What was your thoughts on the game, the challenge, and the fact that it's now been overturned? Well, we'll start with the challenge. I think the fact it's been overturned, um, you know, says a, says a lot. I've, I'm, I'm not saying for one moment that um, all these decisions on the game or after the game are always right, but I, I think mm. it was right to overturn it. I think we've probably, this was probably the risk we've had that we overanalyze things, and I know that the ref made his call straight away, but there has always been the worry that we start overanalyzing things and I think the ref has probably seen the direction of where the foot was going, but not really mm-hmm. added in the context of the power or the speed because it was it was just a touch. I don't think it was I don't think it was a red card at all. Um it's been rescinded. Thankfully, these are these are the best types of um wrong calls because it's no impact to the game. Um the outcome of the game was still the mm-hmm. still ended up as it would have been if I was a Liverpool fan and uh, it was one each. We go went down to ten men and Bournemouth went and go our way equaliser. I would have been fuming that that risk is still there. Um but I actually think for the most part down south we the refs get the decisions right with the aid of VAR. Uh, I don't know if I'm just scarred by watching Scottish football. I don't think it's as bad down there. So I think these decisions are probably more fewer and far between. Um Johnny, I've got obviously a few more questions about red cards, but I'll just cover off the Liverpool side of it first and foremost. Um, I was there at the game at the weekend, and for the first 10 minutes, I was screaming because Alisson and Trent just hadn't woken up. Um, Bournemouth went 1-0 up pretty quickly. Um, they should have been 2-0 up, however, the first one was ruled offside. But all this happened in the first 10 minutes, and it was just like, here we go again. Um, and it was simple stuff. It was either overplaying it at the back or it was a ball over the top where Trent wasn't covering. This is not going away. Liverpool need to do something about this, don't they? Uh, I mean, listen, there was a red flag pre-season. I know pre-season we don't really rely on, but the red flag was there. And it was there last mm. season as well, let's be honest. Um, the the leak in the goals. Uh, but they'd done pretty much what we would say would happen a lot of the time. They'd mm-hmm. concede, but that front prong attack would be too much. And we'd dig them out. But there is going to be games where that attack is going to be cancelled and they're not going to be able to hold out. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a, a bit of a, a red flag there. But you still got the boy Endo. Um, I think, you know, I was talk, talking to a guy about this the other day. I think the Endo signing could turn out to be a really good one. Yeah, um, I'm the same. I think he's going to surprise quite a few people. I think it could end up being one of the bargains. Um, but, yeah... I agree with you, mate. I think um, they do need to show it. Absolutely. They're trying to cover it, but they're tra- playing players out of position, really, to do it. Um, and it really works. Well, 
doesn't work to you know the best of their ability. But I mean, and the game itself was a cracking game. Some of the attacking football, free flowing was excellent. Um, the, so boys obviously, the, the boys obviously, the boys obviously was outstanding. Um, yeah, he, he, he was. was. He was brilliant. He was making things tick. Is that the boy yeah. that got shot for the penalty? Yeah. Well, yes. Thank you. I'm glad somebody else said that. Con. <laughs> I, I oh, think it was a penalty, yeah, but it. He, he didn't need to do that. He's got a fair bit of the Todd Cantwells about him, and I know I'll get fucking plenty of stick for that for the listeners, but if you're fouled, just go down. Don't try and win yeah. the Austral. You're fucking way down. Go the stages. Aye. I wouldn't give him a penalty for that. I'd be like, look, mate, I was going to give you that penalty, but that's ridiculous. Get yourself up, <laughs> get back in the pitch, you're getting nothing. There'll be none of that on my pitch. Yeah, it was scandalous dive. Like. But as I said, I mean, it, there was contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of pulling it back to the cards. So um, it doesn't. It was when I looked back and I noticed there was actually five red cards last week. That that's pretty crazy, you know, compared to normal standards. Um, now take take the Alexis McAllister one away because obviously it was overturned. But um, what was your thoughts on you know Johnny? I'll go with you first in terms of the red cards themselves. And the reason why I'm calling that out is that the there's not one defin- definitive reason, as in, like, it was a really bad challenge, but you've got a couple of them where they've been booked, for example, for time-wasting or back-chatting or asking for a card, and then they've got another card within the game, and as a result, they've went off. Um, I'm thinking of the boy Nunes um, at, at Wolves. You had Tomiyasu um, on the Monday Night Football for Arsenal. Um five, well, six red cards in the first two game, opening game weeks. That's not a good start, is it? Uh, mate, it, to me, it comes down to one thing. Players just have a really hard time taking simple instructions on both. Um, they've been warned. We know they've been warned. We know about it, so they know about it. They know about the rule changes. They know what the referee's going to do. He's not going to take any more of the shite. It's all going to be cancelled out or you're going to get booked. So they know this, they know it clearly, um, but they're still doing it. So it will slowly filter. I think it will start, the cards will calm down a wee bit because players will start to realise you can't get away with it. Um, as you say, Tommy Asu, I think, was for time-wasting. Mm-hmm. You had um, Reem, who, who got booked originally for unsportsman conduct. Um, the lad for Wolves was another one. Uh, McAllister doesn't count because that was never a red anyway. So, yeah. It all comes for stupidity because they get booked for what they've been warned not to do. Is it the West Ham one to Iguad? Iguad? Yeah, they'll go in with like a... Uh, his was harsh because the first one, I didn't feel the first one was a booker. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was, but the first one wasn't. But Anyway, it comes down to the same thing, mate, that's just stupidity. You've been warned, stop doing it, stop chatting back, stop wasting time, and then you know you're not going to get booked for nothing. You're just running the risk every time. So I don't have much sympathy, mate. I think they need to give their heads a wobble and start paying attention. Yeah, I just say, I, I couldn't agree more with Johnny there. That's stupidity, absolute weather. Like, it's been in the news everywhere that they're clamping down in time wasting. Why was he even chance your arm? But seeing the Aguard one <laughs> um, for West Ham, I just want to say about that, because you've mentioned there, quite harsh because the first ones are booking and there's been a lot of coverage on match of the day and everything saying he's be really hard done by see he's a fan if i if i'm watching my team and i know one of my midfielders has got an unfair booking i'm expecting my mid i'm expecting as a fan of that team for that player to drain it in mm-hmm. whether it was unfair or no um so that was just no risks i why take the risk like moan about it after the game um so I would have been very annoyed there, but again, just as well, didn't they change the outcome of the, of the game? Cool. Um, and there, there was obviously a bit of news just to kind of stick in the, in the Liverpool area. Um, so the, there's a bit of breaking news this afternoon that um, the a Saudi team um, are apparently um, trying to tempt Mohamed Salah from Liverpool. Um, with uh, a bid of in the region of about 125, 135 million pounds, um, where they are looking to make him um, the most expensive wages aspect, uh, most expensive player in the league, um, apparently more than what Ronaldo's on a year. Um, this one's open as a question. I know my thoughts on it, and I know you guys probably know my thoughts on it. Johnny, um, what, what would be your thoughts on 
the the Mo Salah potential um, going to Saudi? Would you be an advocate of it, or do you think do you think no? Uh, do you think you would keep him? And the reason why I'm putting it out there is that if it was to happen, this is probably one of the biggest deals of a player going out and going into the league, like an active top top five, top six player in the world. In my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it'd be my, it would be huge. Um, it, oh, you know, it goes back to what we've already discussed. Discussed. Sorry, they have an endless pot of gold. Um, and when you have an endless pot of gold and you have no financial regulation and no FFP, you can do what you want. People can complain, they can moan, but they can basically put two fingers up and say, we've got the money, so what are you going to do? Uh, and I don't think there's any player that's immune to it um, because you can have loyalty, you can have all the loyalty in the world, but when all those zeros go on the end of your contract, it's very, very difficult to say no. Like we've said, it's a short career, and they are paid well, especially players at the top level in England. They get a hell of a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the classes have obscene amounts of money, um, but to go to Saudi, it starts getting becoming madness a wee bit. But they have the cash. So would I be surprised if you'd asked me about two months ago I'd have said no chance. Now possible. Yeah, I mean it's only right that you want to set fire to his agent's bed while he sleeps in it. But oh. it doesn't make a big a huge difference to me. But I mean the league would lose out. The league would lose yeah. out on a fantastic talented player, and Liverpool would obviously have a huge dent, which is understandable. And the timing would suck because we're coming towards the end of the window, whereas they've still got that extended time. So they can wait to the end of the window and it would be like a double kick. You know, we could take them and you ain't going to have time to replace them. Um, but I don't I don't know, mate, if it goes to answer the question. Uh, he's, he's already came out or the agent came out and said, we're not going anywhere, we just signed a contract. Maybe down the line we can reassess. That was pretty much loose quote. And I would hope that he would stick to that. Colin and yourself, mate? Um, I don't know if Mo Salah is the one to break the mould, but I don't think we're far away if one of the top 10, top 20 players in the world going there. Um, and I think, I said it with the Benzema chat when we spoke about that a few weeks ago, if he goes there, I think as soon as somebody still on a peak, still at the elite, elite level goes there, it adds a wee bit more, I don't know, a, a bit more high validity to the league um, and that's no disrespect to any any listeners listening in Saudi Arabia who follow these teams. Um, there's run by the fantasy football league, there's plenty. Um, I, I, my my gut says that he won't go, but looking at both sides, it's, I can see why they maybe went for Mo Salah. Obviously, he's like Egyptian. They're in the whole Union of Arab Football um, Association. He's, if I'm being honest, he is still one of the best players in the world, but he's past his peak. He's won everything he can with Liverpool. Will ever win a Champions League again? Remains to be seen. Um, from Liverpool point of view, how much money are they got to get? Can they reinvest that elsewhere? Um, I think we all know they can in the middle of the park and um, potentially defensively. <laughs> it sounds silly because he is probably Liverpool's best attacker. Liverpool are still got to be fine going forward for goals, um, so it might be actually tempting. If th- this is assuming that the, the there is an offer on the table and it's not just paper talk, it might be tempting for Liverpool to actually sit down and have a conversation. Um, how how often are you going to get that amount of money for a thirty-one-year-old? But having said all that, my gut feeling still says he won't go. Yeah, I think I'm. You know, pretty much. You guys have probably covered it. I think. I think Salah is the poster boy for the Arab states. I think he is the poster boy in terms of what they want to promote and what they, you know, um, what they're looking for. Um, he would be the dream catch, in my opinion, of what they would be wanting. Um, and but... see, just on that, Jamie, that I think the other point is that Mo Salah is probably less adverse to going than what some but of the Western players is... are as well. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I, and I think you know when the Saudi stuff all kicked off, there was a lot of chat about potential Mo going. You know, two months ago. Personally, I think we've been planning for Mo to go 
ever since he signed his last contract because we found out if you remember how difficult it was to get him to sign the contract remember it was that either it was either Salah or Manny was going to was going to sign the new contract and Salah kind of signed and we had to we had to break the mold in terms of our wage structure so I think they were always planning going well this was the last biggest contract we were going to give him you know he was always going to move on at some point I think he's given Liverpool six, nearly seven years of his time I think he's never finished under 19 league goals in a season and, and all competitions combined, he's been an average of 30 goals a season. That's not easily replaced. You know, I don't care what team it is. That's that's ridiculous amount of points, you know, ridiculous amount of goals taken out of one team. Um, but as Johnny said, with the window that we have, I think Liverpool will the upper hand. We've got him, I think he's got two and a half years left, nearly three years left in his contract. We don't have to sell. There's only like nine days left to the window. Where'd you go out and try and replace Mo Salah? If that's what you try and do within nine days, I just don't see that happening. I really don't. However, I do think there'll be some sort of an agreement that that might be next summer. Next summer, but you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at, not to say that the replacements, but we spent a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of money on Darwin Nunes, who's still to go firing. We brought the lad Gakpo in last season. We've still got Diaz, Jota. We, we still got four really, really good strikers if Mo Salah was to move on. And that money might be used to reinvest it elsewhere in the team, as you call it, kind of point to do. It could be another midfield. However, the problem is, is that we've been struggling to spend 115 million in the last three weeks. So, what does another 150 million really do for us? Probably nothing in this window. Um, so, I do believe Mo goes at the end of the season. I just don't think it's going to happen now. Not unless there's something crazy. And what I mean by crazy is, see if they come in and offer 200 million right now. That would be have to seriously thought about by FSG, really, because they're a business at the end of the day. 100 million, I don't think gets any. I don't think Liverpool come to the table for that as it stands at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if. I wouldn't be surprised if. The Saudi team, if you remember a couple of weeks back, remember they did that thing with the Mbappe, they went in with this crazy bid. Kind of half think they knew that he was never going to accept it or it was never going to be accepted. So they did it. It was free publicity. It was, you know, a big name potentially that they were going out for. I wouldn't be surprised if they would go to, if they do the exact same again and offer a stupid amount of money, Liverpool knock it back. Only, only for them to come back next season and kind of bring Liverpool to the table. Um, so yeah, this definitely one to watch. As I said, don't want to keep talking about Liverpool, but it's such a big transfer that it only kind of popped up today, so I thought it was only relevant to call out. Um, looking to this weekend's fixes, lads. Um, so we have a full card, and I say full card because last week we were only down to nine games um, with Burnley and Luton not playing, but you've got Friday Night Football, Chelsea v Luton, so there's a possibility Chelsea might get three points. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but other games to call out, um, you've got Brighton and West Ham on the Saturday night at all. Five seems a bit of a good game based on what West Ham have done um, in the last game and what Brighton have done. In the they get, you know, We've not talked about them this week, but we can only fit so many in, but they're scoring a lot of goals. Um, Super Sunday, you've got Aston Villa, Burnley, Sheffield United, Man City, um, and then the half four kickoff is Newcastle, Liverpool. Um, lads, what's your thoughts on the games coming up this week? Um, Johnny, I'll start with you. Which, which one would you be definitely looking out for? I fancy the Brighton game as well, mate. We should be talking about them. They need more respect, putting on them. We weren't sure how they were going to start. You know, they've lost a bit. We didn't know how they were going to come at the traps, but so far, so good. Um, what's that? Eight goals? Is that eight goals in two games? Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been blowing teams away. Um, so, West Ham obviously had a good result at the weekend. I forget who they were playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... It'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Newcastle, Liverpool as well. That should be a decent game, mate. Um, I'm not really, honestly, don't know what I expect from it because we don't know what Newcastle is going to turn up or what Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But I think there'll be goals. I think that's a safe bet. That would probably be my two picks for the fixtures over the weekend. And Colin, what about yourself, mate? I think looking at the fixtures, there's the potential for a couple of scrudings. Um, you know, okay. Man City going to Sheffield United, Aston Villa in that form, going to Burnley, and 
So yeah, so Chelsea. Wait, wait, need... wait, 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 wait. You you just spent five minutes talking about how how good City were and how they were just cheering over, and you think the possibility there might be a scudding. Is that for Sheffield United or for City? Aye, Man City will scud Sheffield United. <laughs> That's... Sorry, I thought you were trying to call it a Sheffield United win there. He's back to the heck and bottom love again. <laughs> Yeah, that's heck and bottom till I die. Um, like other than the the ones we mentioned, there's a couple of cracking games. Um, beating West Ham and the, Newcastle, Liverpool as well. I actually think Bournemouth Spurs, uh, the early kickoff. See just how Bournemouth uh, played on on Saturday. And I know it ended up a comfortable Liverpool win, but I thought that first half it was very much the Bournemouth that we've seen. Seeing the see their resurgence towards the end of last season when they go to the relegation, they started playing like a very fun attacking style of football. I thought they they started the game quite well, so it'd be interesting to see if they apply themselves the same way at home against Spurs. They're going to get a lot of space against Spurs because of how they play. I think there'll be goals in that game. Um, so I'd say that one just to go a wee bit different from the Brighton West Ham and Newcastle Liverpool. Good man, um, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll give a quick shout out to the the pods fancy football league. So obviously Colin called out at the beginning. Um, he was having to do a bit of a shuffling of the deck, um, but we are two weeks in, um, and the highest is we've got a new leader at the moment called Jose Medina. Um, and with 166 points with a game week total of 80 points, lads. What was your game week totals? Um, I think mine was. I think one was 57, which was pretty average. I think average was 44, so a little bit above average. Colin, what was yours? I had 43, um, so just below average. And what's your? What are you looking to do this week? Are you looking to make any transfers, or you're looking to you're looking for somebody to openly finally bring in a hole for you? Well. Anybody that listened um, the the first week um, will will know about my my mental prediction of Sheffield United having a great season. Um, so <laughs> it's not quite coming to fruition, and they're playing Man City, so I might take Beanie out. Um, I've got a couple of Aston Villa players on the bench, McGinn and Powell, who are at home to Burnley, so I think I'm going to stick them in for maybe Beanie and Patterson of Everton, because as much as I love Nathan Patterson, Everton are shite, so I need to, I need to detach my heart from my head. <laughs> and Johnny, what about yourself? What was your points, and what are you looking to, or what are you hoping from this weekend? Oh, my game week was dog shit. Um <laughs> One of the weeks, mate. Uh, I actually blame Jamie for most of it. So I was chatting to him. I was for that. Right, and I sent, I sent Jamie a voice note, and I, I said, look, I'm going to bring in a Liverpool player because I wasn't going to do a transfer. I wanted to roll two this week, but I started getting a bit antsy before the deadline. I said, well, I'm bringing Diaz or Jota. Doesn't answer me. He answers me via text, but he doesn't I don't answer because I'm at the bloody game. I don't care. There's no excuse. <laughs> So in the end, I never done it, and I absolutely ruined myself with whatever Diaz got in the end. So but anyway, Diaz scored, the scored. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, I got 41, so it's not great, but I had a good opener. Started on 85 plus, so swings and roundabouts. I had Embremo on the bench, 16 points sitting on the bench. Ouch. <sighs> so yeah. So this week, I... I'm not 100% sure our two transfers will be using both. Um, definitely Gabriel, he'll be getting the Spanish Archer, which is the elbow for anybody that's unsure. Um, <laughs> Who's your own man going on? Have you decided yet? No, no, I genuinely haven't. I would tell you if I had. So Gabriel's definitely one. He'll go, possibly Salama. If I was given a tip, um, to anybody for this week, I would put my money on Chelsea's Jackson. Cheap, that's exactly cheerful, what I've done. getting all the chances. His XG is high. That's where I'd be going. Yeah. Um, I, Colin, Johnny will laugh at this because I'm really bad when it comes to taking a hit on transfers. I just get too trigger happy. I go very, very, um, show, you know, what, what was the old Leicester manager name? The one that used to do all the tinkering? 
Um, so I, I, I very much fall into that trap. And as a result, I hate having a wild card. And the wild card means that you can transfer your whole team out for on, on the, without losing any points for one game week. So the fact I have that means I overthink it and I go, oh, I could make seven transfers this week and it never works out. So I found the best way to deal with that is just use it. And therefore, I don't have it. So I've smashed my wild card this week. I've pretty much changed the majority of my team. And the on-band has went on Jackson for tomorrow night's football. Look at the big smile on Johnny's face. Look at him. He's I mean, laughing. because I'm absolutely shocked. Two game weeks and he's so weak. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how shocked I, what I'm shocked at. Well, Jamie, the fact that your ass is making buttons and you're that sort of happy. Usually you're calculated or the fact that I've just realised you can transfer before January. I was waiting to the 1st of January oh. to make any transfers. <laughs> I need to read these fucking rules. Colin, you get a free... So just just for anybody else that falls into the Colin trap, you literally get one free transfer per week at no cost. You make any more than one transfer per week, that you take a minus four per hit. So, for example, Colin, Johnny was talking about he might take his one transfer. However, if you don't use a transfer, that one transfer rolls over to the next week. So, for example, if you didn't make any transfers last week, Colin, you'll have two freebies available to you. However, it's caps at two, so you won't then have three next week if you don't use them. So, realistically, you can make two transfers this week at no cost. Well, I've got two, so I'm getting beanie to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Forget my first week prediction. <laughs> watch, watch him pop up with a hat-trick against my <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so for anybody listening um have a look at your free transfers have a look at the rules um you will get a new joining my right thinking you get a new wild card in the january transfer window is finished um so if you do have a wild card you're able to use that at any point and you can strip your whole team put it back together without any hits at all correct but you want to try and hold it for a better yeah. game don't be like jamie you just get fancy. <laughs> I just don't like having it. If I have it, I overthink it. I start thinking about three or four transfers and go, well, if I make two, that's only minus four. Therefore, if he scores, then that means I've got plus two. It gets two RC and I do uh, myself injustice. It can work. Uh, the early wild card can work. Some people swear by it that have played the game for years, especially if you've had like a, a below average start because um, it's basically, as you said, it's an eraser. Uh, you can go back and follow the template you don't want to be all over the, the template is like where the majority of people have the players so for example Salah, Haaland these guys are template everybody has them yeah um but you might start with nothing on the template that's doing well so if you want to catch it sometimes using the wild card is the best option not always but it can't work and Colin a wee shout out but this is the last weekend of this calendar month um so we will be looking to um, round it up for the first manager of the month um, and uh, we'll go from there so yeah, hope everybody has a good week hope everybody has a good week from from fancy football Yeah, if you have a, if you like it, we cheeky bet don't do nothing crazy, play safe um, but yeah, look forward to speaking to you all next week. Jo- Johnny, thanks very much for having, coming back on Thanks for having me mate, pleasure as always Colin, um, it's always good to have you back on, mate. Um, I love it when you rush through match of the day at six o'clock at night, um, trying to play catch up. <laughs> I fuck you, didn't like cover the Crystal Palace game because I didn't get that. To that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, always good to be. He's on. like Tommy. I actually got a record. What the fuck? I, I know. I was like, good one. Um, no, always good to chat to you, gentlemen. Um, just a shout out for all the listeners who play the Fantasy Football League. Uh, this month's prize will be a £20 Amazon voucher, but if you don't follow the podcast, then you can't get in touch. So um, if I can't get in touch with you, then it will go to the second highest winner and then so on and so forth. So it's in your best interest to listen to the pod and fucking follow us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>